Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. I had a few people send me this case and say, hey, Steve, check this out. The Supreme Court made a ruling. And uh, I think they're wrong. And a couple of people who sent it me said that. And I read it. And I said, you know, I agree with you. I think the Supreme Court got this one wrong, too. But I can see where they're coming from. It's just the consequences that might arise down the road. Uh, from NBCNews.com, Supreme Court rules for online stalker convicted of making true threats. True threats. Lawrence Hurley wrote this. The defendant from Colorado said the jury never considered whether he intended to threaten someone that he'd sent multiple messages through Facebook. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Colorado man, and the man had been convicted of making true threats after he repeatedly sent abusive messages to a local musician. The court said that that man's conviction for sending Facebook messages to the singer-songwriter was based on the wrong legal standard. In a 7-2 vote, the justices ruled that the jury should have been required to be asked to make a finding about whether he intended his comments to be genuine threats. If such messages are not true threats, they are deemed protected speech under the Constitution's First Amendment. The case now returns to lower courts for further proceedings on whether the conviction should be thrown out. The state had to show only that a reasonable person would understand the statements to be threats. The justice wrote for the majority, it did not have to show any awareness on his part that the statements should be understood that way. For the reasons stated, that is a violation of the First Amendment. A couple justices disagreed, as they often do. Uh, One justice wrote that by finding that speakers lose constitutional protections only if they have some kind of subjective knowledge the language is threatening, the court unjustifiably grants true threats preferential treatment. The man's lawyers asked the court to limit the definition of a true threat to a situation in which a defendant intended to threaten a person. Some lower courts have reached that conclusion, while others have said that prosecutors have to show only that a reasonable person would consider a message to be a threat. Uh, In a brief backing the state, 25 other states urged the justices to give them leeway to prosecute without imposing an intent requirement, saying it could help curb threatening conduct before it leads to violence. The case follows a 2015 ruling in which the court threw out a conviction of a Pennsylvania man who made threatening remarks on Facebook aimed at his ex-wife. That case was decided on relatively narrow grounds and did not reach the broader constitutional question raised by the uh, defendant in this case. In this present case, prosecutors focused on messages that he sent to the musician on Facebook for two years starting in 2014, such as, I've had tapped phone lines before, what do you fear? And you're not being good for human relationships, die, don't need you. The musician said the messages were weird and creepy. She did not respond to any of them and ultimately reported them to police in 2016. Uh, The defendant was convicted of one count of stalking and sentenced to four and a half years in prison. Conviction was upheld on appeal, prompting him to ask the Supreme Court to intervene. Lawyers of the state said in court papers that the man's conviction rested not purely on the messages, but also on what they characterized as his admission that he had carried out surveillance on her. In one message, he referred to the vehicle she drove 
and another he said he had seen her out with her partner. Uh, his lawyers say the state had no evidence aside from the messages themselves, which sometimes can do it. And that's the entire story. So here's the point. I'm a person. You're a person. I make a statement to you. And the statement to you sounds threatening. The Supreme Court is saying it's actually only unprotected speech if I intended it to be threatening. Now, if you perceived it as threatening, that's your problem. And you might say, but Steve, if it's threatening, doesn't that mean the person intended it to be threatening? No, not necessarily. This means that I could send you death threats, and then if I got arrested and charged for that, I could tell the jury I was just joking. And a jury could go, oh, he was just joking. Just joking can become a defense now. Because my intent was I was trying to be funny. I have a weird sense of humor. What can I tell you? Now, I'm not saying it's always going to work, but they would actually buy this. Because they're saying that you don't view the threat from the receiver's end, you view it from the sender's end. Assuming we're looking at communications as being sent and transmitted and received, okay? So if I say something and nobody hears it, that's one thing. If I say something and somebody hears it, okay, now we have a completed communication. And so if I say something or type something or send something or message something or TikTok something through interpretive dance, um, it no longer matters how you perceive it. It matters how I perceive it. And the reasonable person standard that they had previous to this actually made sense. Because I think that you can ask a court or a jury would a reasonable person look at this, perceive this as a threat, and be fearful? Was that reasonable? And if so, then there you go. And so keep in mind that the laws do a variety of things. And one of the things that the laws are supposed to do is not just get you in trouble and get you arrested. They're supposed to be guidelines so that everyone knows what the law is and you follow the law. I mean, there's signs by the side of the road how fast you should drive. People don't necessarily follow them, but they're there. (laughs) So in a situation like this, the reasonable person standard is often in a law because we want people to act reasonably. And now we're saying, oh, it doesn't matter whether it's reasonable or not or whether people perceive it as reasonable. It matters what the person who sent the threat was intending. So I could also, I'm just just thinking of examples here. I could type up an extremely vile death threat as as just an exercise. I'm trying to vent. I'm just, I'm just, I'm venting. You know, it's kind of like you go in a room by yourself and yell. It doesn't hurt anybody. So I type up a really vile death threat with no intent of sending it. Just because I think that's going to really get this out of my system. And I accidentally hit send. Didn't intend to do it. It was, it was, that was an accident. But you typed it. Well, I, but I, I didn't type it with the intent to send it. See? And so, what, you know, what was the intent of the person doing it? And, and so now that becomes an even stranger issue, I think, because now we're asking juries to get inside people's heads and determine their intent. There are laws where they have to do that. First-degree murder and second-degree murder. 
The distinction is the intent. And yes, you can determine intent sometimes based on context and other facts and so on. But I really think the idea that someone's sitting there at their computer, they get a message from a stranger. It contains a threat. They call the police and go, I just got a threat sent to me by somebody. The police have got to go, well, gee, I wonder if the guy meant that or not. They go talk to the guy. Did you mean this? No. Why'd you send it? I was joking. I have a weird sense of humor. So it is going to cause problems. And so I, I disagree with this. I generally am in favor of extremely broad interpretations of the Bill of Rights. First Amendment, Second Amendment, Third Amendment. Go all the way down the list. I believe there's about 10 of them, approximately. <laughs> but there are limits to some things. And uh, I have a problem with this one. But I know some people will disagree. However, I'm not talking about this particular case because I've only seen the two or three messages they reference here. And apparently this is a pattern that went on for some time. That's what they say. I'm talking in theory. In theory, somebody sends you what you clearly perceive to be an actual threat. You show it to people and they're like, oh my gosh, you need to call the police. You're in danger. Everybody sees that from the message. But what was the sender intending? What was his intent? What was, in what was his intent? So, again, it boils down to situations in which a defendant intended to threaten a person. So, we'll see the case law change. So, we'll see the cases change. And see what happens. But unfortunately, I believe this opens up the gates to a lot of crazy stuff that we'll be seeing now. But who knows? <laughs> but Mark, JP, and Scott all sent this. Thank you very much. From NBCNews.com. Supreme Court rules for online stalker convicted of making true threats by a jury. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Your experiences will be yours alone, but truth and best friendship will rarely, if ever, disappoint you.